The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Good morning, church. Uh, Good to see you. Zero degrees, a balmy zero out there. Uh, It was negative four at first service, so uh, they're harder core than you. Although I'm not sure there's a huge difference between zero and negative four. It's just cold. So I did turn on the heat in here. Happy New Year. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you grab them and let's open them up to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, That passage that was just read over us is uh, where we're going to launch off from this morning. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, There are hardback black Bibles under every chair. You could open one of those up to page 835 for the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. You can use a phone or a tablet. Uh, Matthew 28. Uh, I was, hey, I was on vacation the last two weeks. Uh, College students, you were gone the last couple of weeks too for Christmas break, but uh, I missed it. So uh, I know it's the 14th, but happy new year. Happy new year. I mean, I haven't seen you, but happy new year. Hey, uh, I watched you as you were coming in. You look great. Like some of you look thinner already. I'm just, I'm so impressed. So impressed. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name's Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Glad to be with you here this morning at Fathom. As you're getting to Matthew 28, five years ago, five years ago, I started getting these migraines. I don't know if you've struggled with headaches or migraines at all, but these ones are weird. Uh, They're these headaches, these migraines that would cause visual disturbances. I'd had migraines before every once in a while that were just like painful and like had to, you know, eat some Excedrin and go sleep in a dark room. Uh, But this was weird because the headache wasn't so crucial. It was my vision would, I I, I would not be able to see very well. Uh, They would cause my vision right in front of my face in the center of my vision to go blurry. Almost like if you had stared at like the sun or, uh, you know, a flash bulb in the eyes, but uh, you know, that like blobby sort of blur that comes in your vision after something like that. It was, it's like that, but it was my whole vision and I, and it wouldn't go away. It would it last for a couple of hours. Uh, and so I, I couldn't see things right in front of me. So I did what most guys do when something medical happens. Absolutely nothing, right? Right. Just hope that it's going to go away. Right. That's what I, I mean. Marcy, Mar, my wife was like, you should call the doctor. They want to give, they'll probably give you medicine. I was like, listen, babe, it's going to go away on its own. I just assumed that it would. Uh, I wasn't right. I wasn't correct. Uh, and, and it really wasn't that bad until it happened on a Sunday morning. So one Sunday morning, a few years ago, I'm standing out in the hallway greeting you like I normally do. Uh, I'm about to get up and preach our first service when one of these migraines hits me and it hits me in the head. And I, and all of a sudden, like my vision just like goes, I I didn't know who I was greeting, right? Like you would come out of, hey buddy, right? Like that's, I, I I didn't have the ability to really see. And so I I mean, I managed to get through the sermon, but it freaked me out enough that I was like, okay, I need to go, uh, go see the doctor. So I go to see my doctor and my doctor tells me that uh, he thinks that it's these, these headaches, these migraines with aura. That's what the blurry thing is called aura. He says, I think that's what it is, but we should have you go get an MR, a brain scan, like an MRI of your brain to rule out anything scary. That's what he said to me, to rule out anything scary, which is a scary thing to hear. 
especially when it comes to your brain, okay? Uh, like work on your bedside manner, buddy. But I, I go and I get the MRI scan and here's what I read when it came back uh, from my brain scan. There was no atrophy. There is no hemorrhage. There's no mass lesion. There's no diffusion abnormality, which I felt great about. Uh, there's no gross bone lesion identified and the paranasal sinuses were clear. Uh, listen, I have no idea what any of that meant. Uh, I assumed that the no before each thing meant that it was good news. There's none of this, there's none of that. Okay, great. But then at the very bottom of that scan report, there's a summary and it read this, unremarkable brain activity. <laughs> Which I thought was hurtful <laughs> and unnecessary. Um, but I bring all that up. I bring that, I mean, it's a silly story. I've told that story before, but, but as we start this new year, I know I missed last Sunday, which was the official first Sunday of the year, but as I'm here and we start this year together, I'm doing something very different. Uh, we're gonna do a two-week topical mini-series called Vision. We're gonna spend this Sunday and next Sunday talking about vision. And I told you that story because every time I get one of those migraines and I lose like the ability to see clearly, I get a very small reminder of how important vision is. And apparently pastors are supposed to preach on this. Uh, I never have. We've never done a real vision series except for right when we planted the church. And so we're gonna do this for two weeks. We're gonna talk about our vision statement here at Fathom. And so it's gonna be way different than our normal sermons. Normal, it's like, hey, open up to the book. Let's see what the text says and we'll preach on that. Today and, to, and next Sunday will be a little different. And then I promise we'll get back into what we're gonna do. But these two sermons are on the two aspects of our vision at Fathom Church. And they can be seen on these two banners. Go deep and reach wide. These are the two like halves of the vision of Fathom Church. Now, one of the reasons that we're doing this, other than me trying to be a good pastor who preaches on vision, apparently, the other reason is that 30% of this church is new in the last 12 months. Like 30% of you, you're new. You're new to this church in the last year, and most polls, you read online, most polls put church growth statistics at like healthy growth being a five to 10% in a year. So 30%, a lot of you are new and don't know much about this other than like, hey, he's got some embroidery on his shirt and I like it. Uh, or you wouldn't be back, okay? Uh, so, so really, I, we're gonna do these two weeks because I want you to know what kind of crazy you're walking into. Like, I want you to know these things if you're gonna call Fathom your home church. Now, when I planted the church in 2015, so uh, almost nine years ago, uh, I came up with our mission statement before we planted the church. And our mission statement is this. Uh, the mission of Fathom Church is that we exist to glorify God by making disciples. That's the mission of Fathom Church. Now, here's the deal. This is actually the mission of every church, or it should be. I mean, maybe not exactly word for word like this, but the mission of the universal church is to bring glory to God by making disciples, by discipleship. 
That's what the church is charged to in the Bible. And so that's why Matthew 28 is where we're going to start because, uh, and I know, listen, I know Gary uh, Shear, our elder, two weeks ago preached on that passage, but that's where I stole the mission statement from, straight from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's known as the Great Commission. Commission, the, the word mission is within the word commission. And that's the mission of God's people, of the church. So Matthew 28 uh, is the very end of Matthew's gospel. Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected. He's been hanging out with his disciples for 40 days. And right before he ascends back to the right hand of the father, right before he ascends to heaven, he charges his people, the church, the disciples with this great commission, this mission. So look again, Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. Jesus says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, I mean, that, like, if you're a Christian, that's a passage you should learn. That's a passage you should memorize. That's a passage that, that should inform a lot about your life, both individually and our life corporately as a church, because that's our great commission. That's the mission of the church. Make disciples, baptize them, get them in the water and dunk them under and then teach them to observe, or sometimes it's translated, obey everything that Jesus taught. That's what the mission of the church is. And, and, and so, listen, uh, I know that that's our mission. And, and in our first year of our church, that was our mission. The first day of our church, we said, we want to glorify God by making disciples. But then about six months into church planting, I went to a church planters conference. Uh, and at this conference, I went to a breakout session and the guy in the breakout session, the, the breakout session was called vision casting. I was like, all right, that sounds good. I'm, I like to fish. I like to cast. Vision casting sounds, sounds right up my alley. I get in there and he convinced me in this workshop that as a church, we need more than just a mission statement. We need a vision statement. I was unprepared for this when I planted this church. So on my flight home from this conference on a little Southwest drink napkin, I wrote two words, go deep. I wrote two words literally on a little napkin, go deep. And that's what we've been saying is our vision for almost the last decade, that we wanna see people go deeper. We wanna see you go deep. It's how, we, it's how we verbalize our mission statement. So if you've been around, you've heard this, go deep. We wanna see you go deeper in a relationship with God. Our mission, so the mission statement is the purpose statement. It's why we exist. That's what a mission statement is. But a vision statement, a vision seeks to answer this question. What does it look like? If the mission is we make disciples, it's like, yeah, 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 I get that. I get that you make disciples. Every church wants to make disciples. So I get that. But what does it look like? Like what does Fathom Church look like? That's what the vision statement is. And that's what the the elders, the leadership team in this church spent most of last year 
looking at and processing through because we realize that just saying we want to see you go deep maybe isn't a good enough explanation of what this place is. And we came up with a larger, more comprehensive vision statement. So go deep, reach wide is kind of like the the two handles, but then there's a whole statement that's associated with it. And so this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to talk about the vision statement of the church. This week, we're going to look at go deep. Next week, we're going to look at reach wide. And it all culminates next Sunday evening. So 4 p.m. next Sunday, where we're going to have our annual church meeting. So we do this every January where the whole church gathers together, specifically members, but really anybody who uh, calls this place home, we would invite you to join us in this room for our annual church meeting next Sunday at 4 p.m. And we will, at that meeting, talk about what this vision that we're gonna talk about these next two Sundays really means for this year, for 2024, because we've been talking about growth and we've been talking about disciple making. And if you've noticed, the church has grown. I mean, it's a cold Sunday and we're still feeling the, the, filling the rooms. Our, our church is growing and we've talked about facilities and all that stuff. We're gonna deal with all of that at the annual church meeting. So I wanna, the, the next two weeks are kind of a big deal. Uh, even though they're going to be very different than normal. So that's what we're going to do. Let's get going. Today, we're going to cover go deep and then reach wide next Sunday. So here's, um, I'll put this up on the screen. This is the expanded vision statement of Fathom Church on go deep, okay? Uh, So remember, as I read this to you, remember the question we're trying to answer is, what does Fathom Church look like? What does it look like? What do we want it to look like? Like, what's the vision of this place? Here's what it is. We are a community of believers in Jesus Christ who invite and welcome all people to discover and deepen their relationship with God through the study of and submission to God's word, responding in a life of worship unto him and living faithfully in a biblical community with one another. So that's one long Pauline run-on sentence. That's kind of what we did. Uh, the, other, the next sentence covers reach wide, but today all I'm gonna do is just kind of break that down for us. Uh, and so first, let's, let's, let's go into this. First, we are a community of believers in Jesus Christ, which sounds crazy to have to say, but let me just say it, okay? The church is about Jesus. It's weird to have to say that. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but there's a lot of other things that can, the church can be about. Like the church can be centered on lots of different things, but the church is supposed to be centered on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the center of the church. Now, I say this, that we are a community of believers in Jesus Christ. We're centered on Jesus Christ, but we're a community of believers. Now, there's lots of different communities that you can find out in the world. I mean, I've got lots of different communities, okay? There's a, I have a community with my neighbors on my cul-de-sac. Like on my block, I've got community with those people, Uh, I have some community with families of the kids that my daughter goes to school with. So I'm like building some community with other parents from 
the third grade class that my daughter goes to, okay? Uh, I have also got community with my old college buddies from CCU. Like 20 years ago, I was in college, my roommates, like I've got community with my college guys. And, and so there are a lot of communities that you can be a part of, but they're always, like every community is about something, is like centered on something. So uh, my neighbors, we are about Roxbury Drive. Like my, my street, my block, we are, we are proximity-centered community. That's why we're in community, and that's what we're about. We're about Roxbury and making it the best block and beating out Roland Street because Roland Street is where the losers live, right? <laughs> no, like that's, but that's what we're about. We're about our street. Um, Harper School, that community with the parents there, uh, it's about the class. It's about Miss Kathy's third grade class and the, the activities and the kids and the birthday parties and the you know, Valentine's Day parties and who's gonna do the, the, the present for the teacher. It's, that's what it's, it's, it's education centered. It's got a center focus and it's that class. My college buddies, uh, I got together with them this New Year's. It's, it's basically about us talking about how dumb we were in college. I mean, that's pretty much all we do. It's just like, sharing dumb stories that we did 20 years ago in college. So I, it's almost like nostalgia centered, right? You've been in groups like that where you get together and all you do is reminisce about the times that you used to do things together. That's what we do. But churches are supposed to be about one thing primarily, and that's Jesus. That's why we would say that we are a Christ-centered or gospel-centered church because Christ must be at the center if it's to be a church. If you want it to be, call it something else. Call it a mission, call it a non-prof, call it a social club, call it an affinity group, call it whatever you want. But if Jesus is in the center, please don't call it a church. The church is centered on Jesus Christ. Much more to say about that, but that's first and foremost. We are a community of believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, next. Who invite and welcome all people. Now, those words we chose very intentionally. That we invite and welcome all people. Hear me. Fathom Church is a community centered on Jesus Christ for all people. For all people, okay? That means all people, like all kinds of people, all types of people, all backgrounds of people, all demographics of people. If you're like, hey, I'm not sure I fit at the church. Okay, do you fall into the category of all? Then this is for you, right? It's for all people, all people. So uh, we've got people in this church who are we're just kind of a weird mishmash from all different types of things, okay? Uh, we've got people who were raised in the church. Like you don't ever miss a Sunday. You've never missed a Sunday, right? You, you like went to Sunday school with Moses or something. Like you were in this thing. Like you were born in the baptismal, some sort of weird tub birth or something. Like that's what happened to you. You've never missed church. And then for, listen, for some people, this is the first church you've ever been in. Like, you don't think we're weird because this is the only thing you've got us to compare to. Everybody else is like, this place is weird. The ceilings are low, right? Like, that's what we all, we got all kinds of people. I'll list this out, okay? Just for, uh, we, we've, 
We've got recovering, uh, I put recovering at the beginning of each one of these. We've got recovering Baptists in here. Yeah, you don't put your hands up, I know, okay. Uh, we got recovering Baptists. We've got uh, re- recovering Presbyterians. Don't sing, don't, don't move, you have frozen chosen, I get you, okay. Uh, we've got recovering Lutherans, some recovering Lutherans in here. Uh, that's okay. You do communion a little differently than we do. We got some recovering Catholics. Uh, really, like, I, I mean, I was christened as a Catholic as a baby. Like, we got some recovering Catholics in here. Got recovering Methodists. I mean, gosh, we got recovering evangelicals. You're just so sick of evangelicalism. And guess what? We're evangelicals. So, like, you're in our crew too, okay? But, like, like we've got all kinds of people. We've got different levels of income in our church. We got college students who can't afford anything, right? <laughs> You guys drop like bubblegum wrappers in the, in the communion box. I appreciate it, man. Just leave the gum. I'll take it, okay? We got different ages, different ages in our church, okay? I don't know if you've no, noticed this, but our church in 2023 has gotten significantly younger. We've gotten younger in age. Our, our median age is now 32 years old. Uh, the national average is more than double that, just so you know just so you know. Uh, the national average of age of church congregation is more than double our median age. Uh, and so read any survey you want to out there. The generations that we are reaching, specifically millennials and Gen Z, are statistically leaving the church in droves. And that's just like, who's coming? Like, we're, we're, we're pumped for this, okay? Uh, and by the way, college students, there's if you're newer, there's like 50 uh, or so college students that are a part of Fathom Church. Most of y'all are from CCU, but, um, but you've made our ch- church your home church. And you guys are like, these, these guys are really legit. Like, re- I mean, like re- one person in first service, one of them was like, yeah. I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> like you don't accept that compliment with a yeah. You just nod graciously. Yeah, of course we're legit. Okay, like you're legit. <laughs> But for all the Gen Z bashing that I hear on the interweb, gosh, I'm so encouraged by these guys. If you don't know some of these college students, man, take them out for a meal. Look at them. They're starving. (laughs) Buy them a burrito, okay? But gosh, they're they're awesome. The Lord Lord is growing us with all different people, all different ages. Uh, Listen, there are different politics in this room. See how weird that just got? <laughs> like, the, I mean, uh, we are not one side of the aisle or other here at Fathom Church. We're not all right. We're not all left. And oh, by the way, we're not all moderates. We're not all like right in the center, okay? It's a pretty mixed bag at Fathom Church politically. We have Trump supporters and we have Bernie supporters and we put you in the same small groups together. That's the beauty of the fabric of the body of Christ, okay? Okay. It's going to be real interesting in November, but that's what we have here. That's what we have at our church. This is a church for all people. So uh, just by way of introducing me, uh, you want to know how I got to the church where I got saved? You want to know how I first got to the church that I got saved in? I wasn't raised in the church. I got saved when I was a teenager. And the way that I got to the church that I ended up getting saved in was that I got arrested on uh, the Air Force Academy at the PX or the BX. Which one is it? The PX or BX? Anybody know? 
Yeah, it's a base. This guy knows. Well, you went to the Air Force Academy, Mickey. Okay. I'm at the BX and I shoplifted and the military police arrested me. And I was, some of you were like, oh, I like this church already, right? <laughs> so yes, I was arrested by military police. And then I ended up getting sentenced to do community service to pay off my debt to society. And one of the places that I did community service was a local church. I started calling churches and one church was like, yeah, we'll take a juvenile delinquent to come in here and clean our church. So I started going to this church and I'm dusting pews and vacuuming the carpet every Sunday after services. Little did I know that two years later, I'm at high school and a friend of mine would invite me, hey, you wanna go to church with me? And I was like, sure, I'd love to try something new. He invites me, we walk up to the exact same church that I used to clean when I did community service after getting arrested for shoplifting. And little did I know that Jesus was gonna woo my heart through the community of that church. And one day I'd bow the knee to him in the very church that I used to clean. You got a story for how you got to church, this church or any church? Hey, It don't matter what it is. I mean, I want to know what it is, but it doesn't matter what it is because this is a place for all people. All types of people, all pasts, all presents. If you stumbled in here half hungover, welcome. This is a church for you. But we're more than just being a church for all people. How do we as this body then interact with all those people who come in? Well, I put two words in there. We are the people who invite and welcome. We invite and we welcome all people. And so I say this all the time here at Fathom Church, but this is a really difficult church to come and hide at. It's hard to hide at this church. Part of it's because we're really small, right? Some of it's because we're small and there's one way in and one way out. And, and like that hallway, we call it the gauntlet of greeting, right? Like we've thought about getting paddles, uh, but it's illegal or something. So, so we don't do that. But I want you to know that that's, that's not just circumstantial due to our size. It's by design due to our leaders. So I don't know if you've been to many small churches, but I've been to plenty of small churches that weren't very welcoming. That functioned more as a clique than as a family. That functioned more as an in crowd than as an open crowd. And so it's not just about size, it's about intention. And the leaders of this church have designed this church to be welcoming. Not just just greeting you, but welcoming you. Like we work hard, like really hard to learn your names, to hear your stories. Gosh, the the, the elders of this church, to shepherd the members of this church. We work really hard on those things. So we wanna welcome all people. And the way, though, that the all people get here is primarily through invitation. We are an inviting church. So I'm I'm getting ready for this annual meeting, and I'm all steeped in statistics. So here's some statistics. In 2023, Fathom Church welcomed 355 guests at our services. 355 guests, and that's just the ones that we could track. Like, we're, we're like stalkers for Jesus. That's kind of how... The 355, like we followed up with 355 people. That's a lot for a church our size. 355 guests. Just by way of comparison, that's 100 more than came in 2022. 
And that's almost 200 more than we got in 2021. So 355. And then of those 355, we follow up with them. We try and get to know who they are. Of those 355 guests, we ask one question primarily, and that's, how'd you find our church? How'd you find Fathom? And of those 355, 238 were personally invited by somebody. 67% of the people who show up and walk down that hallway and awkwardly like deal with me in my little nook, those people, okay? 67% of those people, someone invited me. Someone told me about this place. So, so when, when somebody asks you, hey, what is your church like? Like, what, is, what does Fathom look like? You can say, this is a place where people aren't afraid of, but are actually excited to invite their friends and their family members, their coworkers and their neighbors to check it out. Like I've been a part of churches where I thought to myself, would I ever invite somebody here? You know, that actually should be a red flag if you go to a church and you say, I'd never invite someone to go with me, that might be a good sign that you should find a new church. If that's, a, if that's you here, I would help you find a new church. Not because I don't love you, but I, I want you to be able to evangelize to your friends and your coworkers and your spheres of influence to say, come to church with me. Well, you already are doing this, so good on you, okay? But, but uh, the other thing is this, you know we don't promote. Do you know there's not like a promotion budget in our budget lines? You'll see this if you come to the annual meeting. We don't promote this place, okay? We have never, we have never done a mailer. You ever go to your mailbox and open it up and pull it out and there's like a mailer from a church and you go, yeesh, right? <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but there is. Personally, I think that, okay? Uh, but... <laughs> Well, we've never done that. We've never like gone door to door and hung little fathom things on door hangers, okay? Like we, we've never taken an ad on Facebook or on Instagram or like Google. We don't do those things. Hear me, we, we maybe would, but we don't have to do them because you promote this place. I talk with other pastor friends in the area and I say, we got 350 new people showing up to our doors. And they say, how are you getting them there? Did you maximize your SEO presence online? No, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I know that you know some people and I know that you know some people and you guys brought some people and like 355 people later, here we are. You're the promotion of this church. That's the kind of church that we wanna be. We're community believers in Jesus Christ who invite and welcome all people, next, to discover and deepen their relationship with God. Discover and deepen their relationship with God. Okay, I planted, uh, we planted, how many of you were here? Two? When we first opened. Yeah, that's it, two. Uh, when we first planted the church in 2015, when we first started growing, like that first year, God um, brought us newer, less mature Christians almost completely. It was mostly like, brand new Christians or really kind of rough fringe Christians. And they started coming. It was just like a, it was just a big, beautiful mess. 
Just like those early years were just kind of, it was just immaturity, a lot of immaturity in those first couple years. And I remember like we moved into this building and then maybe year two or three, uh, I remember a husband of a gal who came, uh, he started coming, this husband came and he, um, he wasn't a Christian. He made that really clear to me. He's like, hey man, I'm not a Christian. I'm not into this stuff. When you lift your hands in worship, it freaks me out, man. It's weird. So like he's in, uh, so that's where he's at. But he started coming. I hung out with him a little bit, took him out for lunch. He started connecting with my, my preaching a little bit. He kind of liked the pseudo irreverence that I had. Uh, but I remember one Sunday, I'm standing back out in the hallway in my nook, uh, de-greeting people, saying goodbye to people as they leave uh, in the hallway. And he comes up to me and this guy says, hey, pastor, great effing sermon. But he said the word. <laughs> He said the F word in our hallway to a pastor. It's like the gold medal of of cuss words used after church. He didn't know any better. I mean, I loved it. I was shocked and uncomfortable and I hoped nobody else heard, but I was. Now, every time I tell that story, some of you, some of you show up to me in the hallway after and you're like, and I'm just like, hey, you don't need to repeat it, okay? It's it's a joke. Don't do that, okay? Um, But that's, that's just who God was drawing to our church early in. Now, hear me. We did not have the maturity, the processes, the programs, or the people to disciple those guys and gals and a lot of them fell through the cracks early on. We just weren't ready for it. It's a deep pain uh, that I have around that. But slowly, over the years that this church has developed, specifically after COVID, there was kind of a weird purge that happened during COVID, but after COVID, Fathom has grown in more maturity. It's actually a really good thing. It's a really good thing. Like we have grown Some of us have grown into more mature Christians. And then the Lord has also brought us like some prepackaged mature Christians. It's been great. It's been great. But probably 18 months ago, I was reflecting on this and I have a distinct memory of talking with the staff. I met with our staff and I just said, hey, I've been reflecting on where we're at as a church in the state of Fathom. And I realized that while we had grown in health, we hadn't seen as many unsaved or, or kind of raw edge, kind of the, the front edge of evangelism happening in our church any longer. And so I told the church, hey, guys, I want you to start praying. I told the staff, I was like, hey, let's just start committing to pray for the Lord to bring us some unsaved people because I think we've got the maturity now, the systems now, the people now to actually walk with them and share the gospel with them and disciple some of these new believers. And if it wasn't like that, that the Lord just all of a sudden started answering that prayer. Like we did a bunch of baptisms for our little church last year and more than half of them were brand new first time professions of faith. Like I'm all for, hey, I never got baptized as a a, a kid or as an adult and I need to be baptized. Get you in the water, we'll do it. But there's a different level of delight in my heart when somebody who's like, I was lost and I'm getting in the waters to proclaim for the first time that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. It's a different thing. And the Lord did that in the last year. And so hear me, hear me, hear me. If, If you're not sure about your faith, If you're newer to your faith, 
if, listen, if you're seeking, you're not even, you're not even interested, somehow you've shown up here. I just want you to know you're so welcome. You're a part of that all people that we exist for. Gosh, I got saved after two years of going to that church with that friend in high school. Two years it took me before I bowed the knee to Jesus. I went every week. It took a long time for me to get some questions answered, to work through some stuff. But after two years, man, I was in. You are welcome here. Wherever you are on that journey, you're welcome. So that's the discover piece. We wanna see people discover for the first time a relationship with God. And it's starting to happen. It's happening more and more, more frequently. But then this year, we also realized that we didn't have a fully developed mechanism for discipling those brand new believers. So a couple of our elders led by Gary Shear and a team have been working on this. Uh, this is our Discover group. We are launching a Discover group. We're calling it a Discover group. This is like a precursor to our discipleship groups. But I, I would say this, uh, if you are newer to the faith, okay, or if you are exploring Christianity, or if maybe you just never felt like you got the basics of Christianity taught to you, then I wanna invite you to join our Discover group. It's a short-term, one-time, small group that will lead you then into other avenues of discipleship in the church. But starting February 4th, Sunday morning, during this service, during second service, so you could come to first service and then stay around, we're gonna do our Discover group. Seven meetings, okay, every other week on Sunday mornings, and, and we're just gonna cover the basics of Christian discipleship. We're just gonna build this out. We've already have, I think, four or five people confirmed to be in our first Discover group. And we feel like this is something that we need to have available for all of our new believers. And listen, if you've got people in your life who you're sharing the gospel with, maybe this is something you say, hey, would you come to this with me? Like you can come as like a buddy to somebody who's seeking and work through this kind of stuff together. So that's the Discover part. But then we also wanna see people who call Fathom home go deeper. So we say, we want you to discover and deepen in your relationship with God. So that's, that's kind of the discipleship piece. That's the mission piece that the church exists to make disciples. So every church would say that. We exist to make disciples, to call you to go deep. But the question is how? How do you do this in your context, in your actual church? How do you make disciples? Well, the vision continues to cover that. We're community believers of Jesus, in Jesus Christ, who invite and welcome all people to discover and deepen their relationship with God, and here we go, through the study of and submission to God's word. The first, we call these pillars of disciple-making. The first pillar of disciple-making is studying and, and submitting to the word of God. We, listen, we are people of the book, this is the authoritative voice here at our church. So I became a Christian in high school, okay, at that church that I had done community service in. And in that church, I attended for a couple years. I told you, I wasn't quite really in yet. I was just kind of observing and checking things out and I had questions, but I started attending for a couple years. And in that church, they didn't really preach the Bible the way that we preach the Bible here at Fathom. They did more of like, well, ironically, what I'm doing today. Like, <laughs> like throw a verse at you and then talk about a bunch of other stuff. Um, so this is not what we normally do, ease up, okay? But like, um, 
but that's kind of, they, they just kind of preached whatever they want. They kind of did, they, they, they did what I call kitschy topical sermons. And I'm not against topical sermons. We'll do topical sermons like this. I'm against bad topical sermons. Kitschy topical sermons are not for me. So uh, they did a sermon series. Uh, I remember this distinctly because uh, I threw up in my mouth. They, um, they did a sermon series called How to Keep the Honey in the Honeymoon. That's gross. Yeah, that's gross. Uh, they did a sermon series, I remember this, called Submarine Christians, Those Who Surface After Christmas and Easter. And I thought, that's a bit passive aggressive. Who likes that? It's not those people. Those people are going back down, right? <laughs> so it's, I mean, that was... That was pretty much it. That was pretty much what I got the first couple years as, a, as a going to this church. And so, so hear me, my Bible knowledge, I've been going to church for a couple years, but my biblical literacy was like a zero. I didn't know anything about God's word. And then a friend of mine, my senior year of high school, invo- invited me to join him at a Saturday night service at another church, okay? So I start going to two churches. I'm like double dipping because I'm super Christian at this point. And... Uh, And I went to the Saturday night service and the preacher did something really weird, something I'd never seen before. He gets up on the platform, he comes up and he's like, hey, grab your Bibles, let's open them up to the book of Acts. And I'm like, oh, I had to bring a Bible? So I, you know, grab one out of the pew back and I'm like, Acts, 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 Ezekiel, Joel, Zechariah. And so I had no idea. I didn't know where Acts was. They didn't tell me the page number. So I had to go. I never felt dumber in my life. Got to go to the table of contents, find Acts is on page 1,000. This is a big book. And I find Acts. Okay. I finally find the book of Acts. And then this guy gets up there and he just starts teaching verse by verse through the text. Uh, I had, it was the first time in my entire Christian journey that I hadn't heard a sermon on a topic with a lame title. It was the first time. And I, I loved it. I didn't know where we were in the story. I had no idea who Barnabas was, but I was in, okay? So I'm like, I'll come back next week. I came back the next Saturday night. The preacher did the exact same thing. He said, open up to Acts. I was like, yes, I know where that is. If he had said Exodus, it, I probably could have found that one. Okay, second book. But, but I open up to Acts again. He picks up all, right where he left off the week before. Keeps going. I was like, hey, I know who Barnabas is. Paul, though. Like, I was in that spot, right? And then I get to the lobby uh, after the, the service. I walk into the lobby. And there are these huge racks in the lobby of tapes. Remember tape? Ministries, tape ministries, uh, college students, okay. <laughs> Think podcasts in a hard plastic shell that you have to rewind, okay? Uh, tapes, uh, tapes. So, so I, I, I got myself some tapes. I was like, Jeremiah, that sounds cool. So I got some tapes and I started listening to tapes of this pastor's sermons while I'm driving my Volkswagen van all through town. And I'm thinking, I... Listen, I didn't know it at that point, but I knew it. I was starving for God's word. I was so hungry for the truth of God's word. And when I got a taste of it, it put the honey back in the honeymoon. (laughs) Now, 
that's weird. Uh, no, no, it marked me, you guys. It marked me. I'm 18 years old, sitting in my van, crying as I'm listening to the Bible being taught to me, weeping over God's word. And it changed me. It changed the trajectory of my life. And that's why we preach through books of the Bible at Fathom. That's why what I'm doing today is not what we're gonna be doing in two weeks. So here, I'll give you a little coming attraction. The year of 2024, we're gonna do three sermon series. Sermon series one, in two weeks, we're gonna start 2 Samuel. Uh, We did 1 Samuel over the course of three years. Three springs, we did 1 Samuel. Was that long or what? I mean, it was awesome. Remember Saul's donkeys? That was weird. This is why we preach straight through the book, because gosh, we can preach David and Goliath, and we can preach David and Bathsheba, but there's a heck of a lot of stuff, including a witch, in between those two stories. So I told the elders, hey, maybe we should do something else. We've done 1 Samuel. Why don't we go do Exodus or you know, something else? And they said, uh, they rebuked me in elders meeting. <laughs> They said, the church will form an uprising against you if you don't pay off and actually give us the life of David. Okay, so, so 2 Samuel, we're gonna handle the rise and fall of King David. And listen, it's not all rosy. It's not all rosy, but that's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna engage with 2 Samuel. Then this summer, we're gonna jump back into the gospel of Matthew. So every summer at Fathom Church, we spend our summer studying the gospels. Just, we go like story by story, pericope by pericope, and we slowly work our way through the gospels. A pericope is a small section of text, okay? But we work through those slowly, and here's why. I love Paul. I love the New Testament epistles. I love the Old Testament. Narrative, poetry, wisdom, I love it all. But I don't ever want us to get too far away from the gospels, I never want us to get too far away from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So every summer we're gonna, like we're not even gonna, I think we've done this four or five years. We're still not gonna finish Matthew this summer. We're gonna keep working our way through Matthew. And then in the fall, we're taking on 1 Timothy. I don't even have a a design for it. So it's called 1 Timothy, okay? Uh, It's as creative as I could get on short notice. Uh, But we're gonna do 1 Timothy, which is full of very controversial and weird stuff. Uh, it's gonna be enjoyable. So, and then every once in a while, I'll do something like this. Not, not very often, but I'll do a little topical thing every once in a while, a week or two here or there. But most, the primary way that you're gonna hear God's word, that we're gonna study God's word together in this church is on Sunday morning through the faithful preaching through books of the Bible in God's word. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna keep doing. So so we study that way, but we study in other ways. We study God's word in other ways, okay? Uh, Our our small groups, our discipleship groups here work through God's word. Uh, Our men's and our women's studies and groups work through God's word. Our kids' curriculum, we just changed kids' curriculum to a two-year curriculum that goes through the entire Bible. So if, if your kids come for two years, they will work through the entire text of the scriptures through our Sunday school program. Our youth group, they, je- they don't just play dumb games. Logan, can you attest to this? I mean, they play some dumb games, but they don't just like, it's not just like Red Rover and Kool-Aid down there, okay? That was kind of my youth group, right? It's like Red Rover, you're bleeding out of your arms and you're eating snacks. Like that's essentially what we, no, no, we're, they are going, our youth group is going through the same things that we're going through, our college group. They're working through, uh, what are y'all working through? In college group, you did 2 Corinthians last year. First, second, Thessalonians, Thessalonians, that's right. You just finished, they don't even know what they're doing. I don't even know what they're doing. 
But that's what we do. We study God's word. We study God's word. Now, part two though, we submit to God's word. So remember, remember, remember Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the great commission that Jesus says that you will go to all nations, you'll baptize them, and then you'll teach them to observe or obey. That's submitting to the word. You can study, did you know you can study God's word for decades and never submit to it? You can be really smart. You can be really Bible geeky. You could win Bible trivia. I do an online Bible trivia with some guys. Uh, my, 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 my handle is, uh, uh, well, it's Guns and Moses, but you know. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes, guys will, sometimes guys will whoop me in Bible trivia and I'm like, I have a master's degree in this. I am a master of this. Um, and I get whipped. Uh, maybe it's because of my name, but that's, but um, you, can, you can be a master of this. You can be a master of this and still miss it. So we don't just study it, we submit to it. It's not enough. So I love you. It's not enough for you to just show up. It's not enough for you to just show up here on Sunday mornings and have me spoon feed you the Bible. Gosh, it's not enough. One of the things that I sometimes hear from Christians on repeat is this little phrase. I'm not being fed. Hear it. Said it. I've said it. You've probably said it. I'm not being fed. It's one of the things that uh, people who think that they're mature say very often. They think they're mature, but they say, I'm not being fed. Now, listen, if you're a brand new Christian, if you're part of that group that's brand new, if you're less than maybe a year, 18 months on your faith journey, hey, you just keep coming. You just keep coming and let the church be the primary place of your feeding to start. But you better be careful, okay? Because this ain't no mushy baby food that I'm shoveling into your mouth every Sunday. There's hunks of meat in there. So you gotta learn to grow some teeth and chew quickly, okay? Um, but you're the ones who get the pass. But if, here's where you don't get the pass. If when I said, hey, open up to Matthew 28, if you knew where to find it, you need to grow up. If you knew where to find it, you can no longer say, I'm not getting fed. If you notice that's a pet peeve of mine, you're not allowed to say that anymore. And don't get me wrong, you still need to be preached to. Listen, every Christian needs to sit under the preached word in their local church. Pastors, elders, congregants, everyone needs to sit under God's word. And I'm gonna bring it. Like I'm gonna bring it as hard as I can. And this is meat, y'all. It's meat. So I'm gonna cut this thing, carve this thing up, shove it in your mouth, you know, like work that stuff. Like you're gonna eat here, but people show up to churches all the time. Man, the last church I was at, I'm just not being fed. The church I was at three months before that, gosh, I just wasn't being fed. I'm just not being fed. I'm feed me, feed me, feed me. And you know what? When, when I hear that from people, I love you. When I hear that from people, all I hear is a big baby. A big fat baby. Milk and slop, just crusted all over your face. Swinging your umbilical cord around. Feed me, feed me, feed me, right? Just looking for the next place to get a free meal. And it's like, easy there, Jabba, okay? Back it up. Hey, good luck getting that one out of your head, okay? 
it's not enough. Christian, look at me, look at me. It's not enough. Feed me, feed me, feed. You're not a baby anymore. You're not a baby. It's not enough for you to just show up and listen. You gotta, you gotta crack this thing open. You gotta eat this thing. You gotta submit to it. Open it in private. Open it with your community, with others, okay? Sign up for a group. Get in, if you're not in a community where you're doing this, in, in, get in one. Like, get in that. That's why we, hey, the Bible reading plan that we're doing as a church, there's like 75, 80 of you who are doing that with us. If you didn't sign up for that, hey, jump in. Fathomchurch.org slash Bible. Join us in our Bible reading plan. You're like, I'm two weeks late. Who cares? Don't try and catch up. That's insane. 14 days of Bible reading is way too much. Jump right in. Jump right in with us and start working through this thing. You've got to submit yourself, all of you, under the good and right authoritative word of God. That's what we do. We're a community of believers in Jesus Christ who invite and welcome all people to discover and deepen their relationship with God through the study of and submission to God's word and responding in a life of worship unto him. Responding in a life of worship. It's part two. Part two. Um, notice it does not say responding in a song of worship. Okay? Notice it doesn't say responding in a Sunday service of worship. It says a life of worship. So, so when most Christians think about worship, we think of the corporate dimension, specifically singing songs. Like, that's what we think about. Like, if, like if, I, if I asked you what church you came from and I said, what's the worship like? You would immediately be like, oh, there's like a choir and an organ or, oh, there's like a band, like Elevation, lots of ripped jeans. Like, you would do that. It has more to do with the music than anything else. And the, the problem with that is that worship isn't less than music. It's not less. It's far more. It's your entire life. So I'll say it this way. The corporate part of worship does include singing. Singing is worship, okay? Did you know that the Bible commands you to sing? Sometimes people are just like, hey, I don't really connect to God that way. I don't really like to sing. And it's like, sorry. I mean, that's what the, that's, we, we worship the way he tells us to. And he tells us to sing. If you're like, oh, I don't really like to read. It's not like, well, I guess then you don't need to read the Bible. Don't worry, you don't like it. Oh, I don't really like connecting with people. Okay, then you don't need any fellowship or community. No, that's, no. The Bible says, rejoice. Make a joyful noise to him. Open your mouth. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Like all of that stuff is built into the text. So yes, we sing, okay? We sing corporately, but we also respond in a bunch of other ways. It's not just singing when we gather corporately, okay? We, we pray. We have the word read over us, the word of God read over us. We give of our first and best of our finances. We fellowship, we connect with one another, we serve one another. These are all ways that we respond in a life of worship, so it's corporate, yes, but then it's also personal. There's a corporate dimension to worship and there's a personal dimension to worship. So some questions. Do you spend any time with Jesus personally outside of this thing? 
Sometimes we call it a quiet time. Call it whatever you want. Do you spend any time with Jesus personally? How's your prayer life? Not just like when I pray and you close your eyes and listen to me pray, like how's your prayer life? You ever fast? And not just like the first two weeks of the year so that you can lose that extra holiday weight. Like you ever actually fast for, for spiritual reasons? You being generous? Not just cash, although cash, okay, but not just cash. Your abilities, your time, you generous with those things? Hey, are you resting well? Everybody I talk to in that hallway, how you doing? Busy. You know how you do the weekend is actually worshipful? It's supposed to be a part of your worship? Resting, how you doing that? Your worship is personal. It's not all corporate. It is personal as well. And then finally, oh gosh, uh, the study and submission of God's word, responding in a life of worship unto him, last, and living faithfully in a biblical community with one another. Now, I don't have time, uh, and I think I've adequately covered this one because this covers literally like the whole thing because it says community at the first bit of that run-on sentence, but uh, community, like we are meant to do this together. So you gotta get out of your mind the myth that this culture is telling you that you can love Jesus and not love the church. You can't. You can't love Jesus and despise the thing that he loves, that he gave himself for, that he commissioned into service. The only way you know about him is because of the church. You know that? It's like you saying to me, hey, Chris, I love you, but I hate Marcy. You can't. You cannot. You cannot simultaneously love me and hate my bride. You cannot love Jesus and hate the church, his bride. You can't. We do this stuff together. We do it together. So listen, y'all, as we start a new year, I know it's halfway through the first month, but you've got a choice to make on this vision stuff. Like there's a choice, I think, involved as we kind of turn a new year. And, And the question is this, are you in or are you out? I mean, I know a lot of you, a lot of you are in, but like, it's a complete binary question. It really is. It's in or it's out. I was thinking this week, I kind of, I kind of feel like Morpheus, right? There's like a red pill and a blue pill and you got to pick. College students, um, in the 1900s, there was a movie with John Wick in it. Uh, that's about all I can say about it. But, but Morpheus, Morpheus says this with the pills in his hands. I'll put it up on the screen. This is weird to quote as well, but that's okay. It's a weird day. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I like that. Go deep. That's our vision. That's the rabbit hole that Jesus wants to take you down. That's our vision. 
well, it's half, half our vision. We'll cover the other half next week. But this is what it looks like to take the red pill of this church. It's to go deep. And, and, and it's an okay thing at the beginning of the year to kind of do some self-evaluation, some self-reflection. You've likely already done that and you've made some sort of plan or goals or resolutions or whatever you want to call those things. And yeah, for sure, you should probably not watch as much Netflix this year. And, and gosh, you should probably quit yelling at your children. You should, okay? Be better for you. You should quit drinking so much Please, for all of our sakes, just back off the pound cake, hit the gym, like do some of those things. Yeah, I'm all for self-betterment. Do those things. But none of those things are gonna bring you the life that you want. Take it from a, a type A, very disciplined Enneagram 3 achiever. I thrive on checklists. I thrive on challenges. I thrive on the, and you may not, but I am like, like geek me out if I can. Oh, look at how much I've achieved. Oh, look at how much I'm worth. But what Jesus offers us isn't goals or resolutions or just these little like checkboxes to make us a better version of us. What he offers us is life. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life abundant. You want abundant life? It only comes from going deeper with Jesus. So hit the gym, but don't neglect him. Don't miss this. So gosh, everything I mentioned today, okay, all those like links and signing up for stuff, it's all in the QR code. I'm not going back through them. You can go fathomchurch.org slash info or use those QR codes uh, to, to sign up for that stuff. Join us in that stuff. If the Lord stirs you, I'd love to have you jump in with us. But let's end with this quote. Uh, this, this quote is from, uh, it's from uh, an eight, uh, 19th century, sorry, 19th century uh, pastor from the Church of Scotland, a guy named Robert Murray McShane. Uh, and this is his quote. It's actually on our church website as well. Uh, you'll understand why. Let me read it for us. Unfathomable oceans of grace are in Christ for you. Dive and dive again. You'll never come to the bottom of these depths. pray. God, we bless you today. We are grateful for the gift that you've given us in the great commission and all that it leads us then as your followers 2,000 years later to do. Thank you that you've called us to be a community centered on the gospel, on Jesus. Thank you that you've called us to be a place that invites and welcomes all people. Thank you that you call each one of us to both discover our faith and also to go deeper in our relationship with you through your word, through responding in worship, and Lord, even through the community of the church that you give us. Thank you for these good gifts. And Lord, next week as we talk about your mission and all that you have charged us to do as we go and make disciples, Lord, I pray that these things would be working in our hearts stirring up our affections for you, calling us to the deeper places. Dive and dive again. You'll never reach the bottom. So Lord, we thank you for um, 
the vision that you've given this church and we want, Lord, to, to, to follow you deeper in 2024. Help us to that end, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.